Are you an entrepreneur looking to have your business grow with a little help from the internet? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Harness the Web with your host, Steve Pack. Hey, everyone. Welcome today to Harness the Web. And we're here today with Sean Jackson. Sean's the founder of Rainmaker Digital, formerly Copyblogger. And he's the creator of Copyblogger.com, Studio Press Genesis, Rainmaker Platform, and other online products and services, often referred to as the geek that speaks. Wow, that's an interesting moniker. Sean has a true passion for technology and how it is applied to the needs of marketing. Sean's podcast, The Missing Link, is a weekly show covering a variety of topics and using LinkedIn for online marketing. The show was recently cited by LinkedIn as one of the top 10 marketing podcasts of 2016. And so, Sean, I just want to really thank you for being here with us today. And could you just help, maybe just fill in a little bit about you, like sure. you personally to that? Well, Steve, thank you for having me on, on the show. And I want to point out one thing for my uh, fellow uh, founders and employees listening. I am a co-founder, not the founder. <laughs> that would be Brian. <laughs> and I'm also one of the people that contribute to the multiple products that we have, not the guy that does it. So I just want to clarify that because That's it is cool. a team that does it. And certainly all credit goes to Brian Clark and the much smarter people who work for us. So, <laughs> But yeah, so my background is pretty simple. I, uh, had the, I've been in marketing and technology since the 90s, actually, um, did a lot of consulting work for a company called GTE that became eventually Verizon, um, built a lot of their worldwide marketing automation systems, had always really loved that intersection of technology and marketing. And lucky for myself, in 2010, I had the opportunity to meet Brian Clark and my other partners and we formed up the company and really kind of took our expertise and melded it into one great, awesome business that now has been growing like cats and dogs. We're uh, over $12 million for last year in revenue, and we are also about 60 employees worldwide and um, phenomenal success and all credit due to other people than me. So <laughs> That is so cool. Now, I really – actually, I'm kind of excited to be talking with you. I'm very excited, actually. Think I didn't realize that you. I've listened to like, you know, your podcast lots, right, about LinkedIn. But I didn't realize that you were involved with Studio Press and Genesis. Well, it's because I'm a, a co the partner in the company that uh, that association is there. So certainly Brian Gardner, who is the creator of Studio Press, um, is the one who was one of my business partners. So thank God for him okay. and for Nathan. And so yes, um, I created one product called Scribe and managed another one called Synthesis. But um, we had come together with different products in Studio Press, which is, as you well know, the premium theme WordPress. I actually created the premium theme WordPress market for WordPress when Brian started it. So luckily, I get to uh, the chance to associate myself with him, even though he, Nathan, and the rest of the team do all the hard work. Hey, whatever it takes, That's you right. know. But uh, I mean, I love Genesis and I love Studio Press themes. So you know, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm very excited about that. <laughs> and Anyways, so does the majority of the web theme. So <laughs> it is so cool. You know, it's like when I first realized this was years ago. I was doing websites primarily for myself. As I was getting going, I realized, oh, you know, if I just went out and got like a professional theme that had some consistency, this would be so much easier on myself. And and that's when I discovered Studio Press. So yeah. I was excited. And if you're using Anyways. WordPress, certainly 
you know, when you look at the stats, the Studio Press and the Genesis Framework power a huge uh, number of WordPress sites worldwide. In fact, it is the number one theme framework in the world based on usage. And so, again, it really came from that idea of making it easy to create a quality design without actually having to do the design. And it's just grown from there. And, you know, we're very fortunate. Can't, can't speak enough of my fellow partners and the employees who do such a great job. That's so great. I mean, that's really awesome. And tell me, like, you know, I, I'm near Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. right? Which is a, you know, it's a decent sized city. We actually have some tall buildings in Pittsburgh. So if you were here in Pittsburgh and you got into, let's say you go up into the United States Steel Building, or it's now something else, but anyways, you get into that building, that maybe it's got like 40 floors. <clears throat> and you get in there, you get on the elevator, and there's somebody there, and they say to you, Sean, what do you do? And you've basically got 30 to 40 seconds to tell them. What do you say? Basically, my formal title is the CFO of Rainmaker Digital, and my informal title is uh, host of the missing link. At the end of the day, I help on the strategy as Brian directs it to make sure it gets executed. And quite frankly, I'm enjoying the ride that is called Rainmaker Digital because it's been quite extraordinary. But, you know, I have a financial bent. Certainly a technical bent and certainly a podcast bent. So a little bit of a jack of all trades when it comes to what Brian and the rest of the team need. That's very cool. And it's it's really you have to be a very unique person to go from that CFO role into what you do so so well into uh, the whole area of digital marketing. Thank you so much. And could you give us an idea? Like so today, maybe maybe we'll just talk about your podcast because that's awesome. Yeah, sure. such, such great ideas you have on there. How did you how did you even come up with like that LinkedIn? How did you even begin to focus on LinkedIn? Of all the different things that are out there in sure. the world, for several years, um, even before I joined up with uh, the team here at Rainmaker Digital, I had always been a big fan of LinkedIn because anybody who looks at it from the outside thinks, oh, it is just a resume job place, right? And I recognized very early on that it had a huge value in sales and marketing. And so internally in the company, I'd always been advocating for LinkedIn because, quite frankly, it's the social network that's kind of like the crazy old uncle that shows up at the family picnic. Yeah, he's part of the family, but maybe he shouldn't be in your online marketing you know, suite of things to do. And it turns out that – you know, crazy old Uncle LinkedIn is actually pretty pretty interesting. And it turns out that LinkedIn is actually bigger than Twitter. Some of your audience may find that shocking, but the user base of LinkedIn is substantially larger than what Twitter is and growing. Wow. Whereas link, uh, Twitter's uh, user base is declining. Um, so it's growing. And one of the biggest growth areas in LinkedIn is their marketing capabilities. And certainly if you look at how they approach the market, yes, they have that traditional talent recruiting aspect to them. But they also have a very large and growing online marketing aspect that, quite frankly, I've heard and experienced stories that are amazing at how it is helping small business owners grow their business online. I mean, personally, it helped me take my little business that I run uh, you know, out of my house in a little office down the street by myself with a virtual assistant, it let me go international yes. without really doing and anything. And we talked about that on the show. I mean, I've had a lot of guests. I mean, we did a series of episodes where we've had people from Singapore, Brazil, Canada, London, um, you know, really all over the, the world because 70% of the user base of LinkedIn is international. And what you find is that American and um, U.S.-based companies are easy 
easily doing business overseas and overseas businesses are doing business in the U.S., again, through the LinkedIn ecosystem. And it is very you know interesting, especially when you start to think outside of the continental United States to all the myriad of opportunities, given that English is the lingua franca of the, you know, of the, the World Wide Web. So I really think there's a lot to be had there. But you know what? If you don't care about international, that's okay, too, because there's so much business opportunity in the LinkedIn ecosystem just here in the United States. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. Last, just last week, I was fortunate that the, um, my alma mater, who's a, who's a small Division One school, was actually made it into the NCAA basketball tournament. And people locally were having a little alumni gathering uh, to watch the game. And I was able to actually use LinkedIn to find people who were had gone to school there who were within, you know, a driving distance of, of the place we were going to get together sure. on. And it was great. You know, it took me five minutes to do that. It was, it was pretty awesome. And I think that's unique about LinkedIn compared to, and I just want to follow up with that because I do want to uh, help your audience understand because everyone probably listening is thinking, oh, Facebook, because everybody on the planet is on Facebook. But there is a contextual difference between Facebook and LinkedIn. And the context of business is number one. And number two is the depth of the profile in LinkedIn versus the depth of the profile in Facebook. And just like you shared, the fact that you can find others that went to the same school as you did or may have worked at similar jobs or in similar businesses, et cetera, is very unique. The amount of data that LinkedIn has on business professionals is astronomical. And while LinkedIn is smaller than Facebook, the depth of professional data it has far, far exceeds what you would find in a Facebook profile. Yeah, I find it's a it's a fascinating place for me. Now, with your podcast and and when you you know interact with your listeners from from there, what do you find like the biggest challenges they see for themselves with LinkedIn? What kind of questions do they have? And you know, it really starts off. It it really runs the full gamut. But I would say that you know part of it is what should I be doing on there and how do I build my business using it, right? That's that's pretty much goes hand in hand. You know, what and how. Um, you know, because we talk a lot about the why and we already covered the why, but the what and how I think is what I hear a lot of questions about. And so when, if someone asks you that question, like how do you respond? Like what's the one of the first things you tell them to focus on? Well, I think you start with a strong foundation first. And like anything in online marketing, you always worry about the foundation because from that you're going to build from. So I always kind of think in terms of LinkedIn in very rudimentary ways. The first thing, of course, is the profile. Now, fair warning, every LinkedIn consultant in the world will tell you to concentrate on your profile. This is nothing new. But I do want to share some little tidbits about the profile that you should be aware of. Number one. Your photograph on LinkedIn matters a lot, and the more of your face that people see, the better. And so my general rule of thumb is 70% of your face should be in that little you know, snippet, that little uh, picture that you have attached to your profile. The second thing that I think you should actually spend more time on than you probably have already is the professional description that appears underneath your name. It's uh, also think of it as a headline. And here's why, because it is your picture, your name, and that professional description that is shared when you're doing connection requests with people on LinkedIn. And the key of that professional description is to highlight your authority in your particular space. 
And a lot of times people will just throw in, oh, I'm an accountant, or they'll put in something you know that really doesn't distinguish their authority in their particular business or profession. And I always think that is lacking because – or I think that's a problem because I call LinkedIn my bozo filter. You know, if you're trying to connect with me, I want to make sure you're not a bozo, right? <laughs> so, you know, and part of that is that professional description. If you've got something that shows authority, uh, New York Times bestselling author. Well, yeah, that's a lot of authority there. Or CEO of XYZ company or, you know, senior business strategist, you know, especially if you're a small business owner, you can make up a lot of titles. But that professional description has got to be succinct. I think for me, when I work with people on LinkedIn, I use, and I think I'm going to attribute this, I think it came from Gary Halbert, who was a copywriter that a lot of people know. He used something that was called a so what test. So when people, you know, and I'll tell the people, hey, when you're reading your headline, whatever that says, you want to ask yourself the question, so what? And if it doesn't make, you know, from the perspective of someone who's reading it, the person you want to read it, and if it doesn't answer that question, Right. If it leaves them with that, you know, I'm going to use an example of if it says financial planner or CPA or any of those things, it's kind of like, so what? Who cares? Right. right. Because there's a thousand of them. For, you know, yes. And I think you're, that's in a your good neighborhood, mark. there's a thousand. And I think that's a good yeah. way of looking at that moniker is to really ask, so what? Is it something that is compelling enough or at least shows that you have authority? And so once you do that, though, on your profile, there's a lot of other things that you can do. Certainly, any business that you've been a part of, whether it's an employee, as an owner, any organizations you belong to. And that's a big thing that a lot of people leave out. If you've ever done a 401k, you know, no, excuse me. If you've ever done one of those uh, 5k runs, you know, you can tell them a CFO, I use the word 401k, not 5k. But, you know, you did a 5k run for some charity organization. That's an organization you belong to because the more that you can complete that profile with organizations, with companies, with schooling, with skills, etc., the more complete picture that you have of what you are and how you do things. And I cannot reiterate enough how important it is to have that solid foundation on the profile, especially around your summary. Because, again, let's say I want to search for you right on Google. Well, certainly LinkedIn has huge SEO benefits, and one of them is when it comes to reputation management. So if your summary is using your name and not I or me, then when people type your name into a search engine like Google, then that summary information that includes your name or full name will show up. So again, I can't reiterate that the prof that enough that the profile is so important, but at the same time, it's the picture, it's the headline description, it's the summary using your name, and then just completing the other pieces in part. And trust me, if you do it once, you're going to be set as a foundation for the next things. So now let's assume somebody has all that mm -hmm. and they're in, a, in a, they're in a place where they're marketing their business, right? So they're yes. out there looking for clients. What, do you, what would you say is the next thing for them to do? Well, certainly if you're a business owner, I would recommend go ahead and set up a company page. Uh, it's a different feature of the LinkedIn uh, ecosystem. So you have your personal profile and, of course, you have a company page. I would recommend creating up a company page because, because there is a lot of reporting with company pages, especially around updates, that may benefit you 
in the future as you extend your marketing reach. So if you've got your profile set up and you're fairly comfortable with it, get in and create up a company page, get that uh, completed as much as possible, and start updating information in that company page. No one's going to read it, by the way, because you're probably too small, but you should get in the habit of that because if you are comfortable with your company page and putting updates there, then certainly you will also be putting updates through your profile. Now, here's a very interesting stat about LinkedIn compared to Facebook. As we all know, if you post something into Facebook and it goes into that news feed, that timeline, only about 3 to 5% of people are going to see it, right? I mean, because that news feed is highly controlled by uh, Facebook. But research has come out that on LinkedIn, when you post updates in LinkedIn, up to 20% of your followers and connections will see that information in the course of the month. In fact, if you post every day or 20 times in a month, then 60% of your followers and connections will see that information. So that's huge in getting the word out there. So as you're updating your company page with updates, you're finding things, you're sharing things both personally and on your company page, then your audience will start to see it and they will start to engage with you because you're constantly in that news feed. And doing so is, I think, one of the easiest ways to start to get people's attention is to just continue to share, to contribute through your personal as well as company updates. So that's why on LinkedIn, when I, when I run into people that I know that I don't see a lot, and they'll they'll say to me, "Hey, I see you all over LinkedIn, yeah. even though I don't really put that much out on LinkedIn." That's right. That's the reason. Yes, and I think that goes to the connections as well, because that's a, a big thing that a lot of people also ask about: is you know, do I need a lot of connections? Do I need five hundred plus? Do I need ten thousand? Um, and I would caution your listeners about whom they take connection requests from because there is another feature in LinkedIn, which is a follower. So a connection is different than a follower. And the way that I look at connections, and I've had debates with different experts about this, is that I like connections that know who I am and I know who they are. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? In other words, yeah. in other words, if I sent them a, a message inside the LinkedIn ecosystem, they would at least have some reference point of, oh, that's right, I remember. And conversely, if they send something to me, I want to be able to at least have some reference point to make sure that if we're communicating together, that we at least know each other. Now, this differs than followers because followers can follow you without actually having to connect with you. But So they don't get the ability to directly communicate, but they do have the ability to see the updates that you post. So I think connections are, are hugely important. I think you should treat them with importance and connect to people that you would like to do business with that may see some value from doing business with you if they don't know who you are, or maybe they already know who you are and they just need to connect because you want to put them into that one-to-one -one communication stream. That's so cool. That's I find I just find LinkedIn amazing, actually. So, yeah, me too. I do, I do a just, whole show about it. <laughs> just this week, you know, I was in a mastermind group, and the, and the the group said, "Oh, they were giving me some ideas on like where to focus to look for clients, like what industries or you know some very specific things." And it was funny because I use LinkedIn a lot, and I don't think they do because they're saying, "Well, how, like, what are you going to do next?" And it's like, "Well." I'm, I'm going to go to LinkedIn and find the people who own all those businesses you just talked about. Right. You know, and, this and reach out to them. And this is, again, <laughs> a helpful tip for your listeners, too, 
because that is correct. If you want to reach out to people, and we talk about that on the show a lot too, is how to reach out to people, the type of communication, but also how to find them. And this is something that, again, I think is a hugely powerful and beneficial aspect of LinkedIn is the advanced search capability. So as you know, if you go on the LinkedIn, you'll see a little search bar at the top, but next to it will be a, a link that says advanced search. The advanced search functionality is astronomically awesome <laughs> because it allows you to go into a lot of granular detail on the individuals in the LinkedIn ecosystem. And so when people ask me, Sean, should I pay for LinkedIn? Because right there's a paid subscription level. I would say that if you are actively using LinkedIn to aggressively find individuals, then the advanced search features that are available with a paid subscription are absolutely worth it. But if you're not, if you're not going out there and looking for individuals aggressively, then I would say, you know, you may not need to pay for it. Or if you do pay for it, you pay for it for a month and then you don't pay for it, right? I mean, there is the ability to come in and out of that subscription plan. But this is, again, something that it just blows me away when you start to look at that advanced search capability of zeroing in and targeting specific individuals in businesses that is incredible with that advanced search functionality. And there's another final tip about that. If you are using the advanced search, look in the right-hand corner of the screen, and you're going to see a little gearbox. If you click on that, you can save your advanced search criteria. That means that if you're spending a lot of time really trying to zero in and target on an audience, then you can save that and use it later. And that's all in that advanced search on the upper right-hand corner of the screen where the gearbox is. Those are all things that anybody can do yes. today. Yes. Nothing to stop them from sign up for no. a LinkedIn account if you don't have one and get going. And That's if so you cool. think about it, if, if I'm trying to do business with you, if I'm trying to reach out, I'm probably going to be doing a lot of search. I'm going to try to really find a group of people and then start to look at those profiles and zero in on them. And the advanced search is the way to go. I know, you know, this is like the flip side of that. I know one of my, my clients is a recruiter. And I know one of the things that they do is anybody who applies for a job, they immediately go to LinkedIn and see if they can find the person. You know, I don't even carry a business card because I figured if you can if you you can go onto LinkedIn and find my business information right there, right? It's the modern world. Yeah. It's it's awesome. And if if they can't find them, it's like a huge strike against a person because they're looking for people in sales and things. It's like, hey, if you're not doing that, you're probably not professional. That's how they look at it. But it's not just in recruiting, Steve, because if you think about it, I'm going to do business with some, let's say you and I meet at Starbucks, let's say, right? And we have a conversation. You know I'm going to go to LinkedIn and look you up, right? That's why I call it the Bozo filter, right? I want to make sure that that profile really accurately portrays my authority, my expertise, and my associations. And again, it's not just for recruiters. In fact, there are email programs that pipe in data from LinkedIn to show you their LinkedIn information when you get an email from someone. That's how important it is in the professional B2B communication space. Yeah, that's really – I'm. thanks for reemphasizing that. That's really important. Tell me – now we're going to change gears just a little bit. What's some of the best advice you've ever been given about doing business on the internet? 
Well, you know, you have to remember, I happen to have the privilege of being a business partner to Brian Clark, <laughs> which for those of you that do not know who Brian Clark is, um, I consider Brian Clark probably the single most intelligent online marketer I've ever met or read on the internet. Um, so I actually have the benefit of having a partner who I can ask questions of, or at least find out the nuances of online marketing. And so I can't pinpoint one thing in particular, I can point out that our resource at copyblogger.com is unique insofar as everything we write about on that site, everything we publish out there is exactly the same things we use to grow our business online. So we're not just sitting there like consultants saying, hey, you go do this, but we're not doing it. We're actually taking the things that we do and write about them and put them out there for free for people to consume so they can follow along on this journey we've been taking. And I think that at the end of the day is really the most important thing that I've learned about online marketing is this idea of helping others, sharing with others. It is not about you saying, hey, look, I've got a brand new widget or I've got a brand new service. It's more about contributing to the conversation in meaningful ways so that you can build authority and from that authority, be able to have a commercial aspect much later on in that conversation. And I always think of the cocktail party analogy, Steve. If we were at a cocktail party together and I introduce myself and say, hey, I sell insurance. You want insurance? I got insurance. You want to go buy my insurance? Come buy my insurance. You know what you do? You, you turn around and go, God, that guy's a jerk. But if I came and said, Steve, what do you do? What are you? And then I started to share information that was about you, and I started to contribute to your conversation. Then at some point, you will know, like, and trust me, and you will think that I'll have authority if I speak in ways that are meaningful to your particular situation. And so just like at a cocktail party, you wouldn't run up and be handing out business cards and talking about what you do uh, and trying to get people to buy your service. It is the same with the online experience. And that really has come through in the copyblogger.com ethos that we write about and practice in running our business. That is so great because I know that's one of the things, even me t today, is when somebody – it's even how they approach me, and I, I think there's a there's a great episode of uh, I Love Marketing that, that Joe Polish and Dean Jackson do. It's they call it Cheese and Whiskers. It's if you if you don't know that story, you should, someone should go to there, look it up if if they don't know that, and find that on their on. It's called I Love Marketing, their podcast. It's a great story that really explains exactly what you're talking about. You know, it's mm -hmm. like when the when the cat's around, man, that mouse is going the other way. Yeah. You know? No question about it. So anyways, you know, you, you're obviously excited about using the Internet and for your, both yourself and for other people to use it. What is it? Is there something that really, you know, what's the thing that about it that excites you about really kind of harnessing the web Sure. For somebody. I think at the end of the day, you know, I got to remember I'm a CFO, so I'm a numbers guy, right? The cost efficiency of online marketing compared to traditional marketing is astronomically different, right? I mean, email compared to sending out 10,000 direct mail flyers, not even a question when it comes to cost. And I think that's the first enticement, right, is that it is very cost efficient. But it also does have a tax. There is an Internet tax, and that Internet tax is your time. And I think that's the trap, right, is that if you can look at that online marketing and say, I see the cost benefit, I see the audience that I want to communicate out there with, but the tax is where do you spend your time 
and pursuing these opportunities. And that's why I created up the LinkedIn show because personally, I believe that if you are a business owner selling business to business services, I would not waste time with Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Pinterest or any of the other myriad of social networks out there. Um, I would spend all my time on LinkedIn because that's where your audience is. That's the context of the conversation around commercial activity is there in LinkedIn. And that's the tax that you pay is where do you spend your time? And so I love online marketing from its cost efficiency, its audience, uh, the ability to participate, the ability to grow your authority. But you also have to be cognitive of the tax that you pay. And that's where focus, focus really makes the difference in those that succeed and those that really fail. That's um, that's really great, that insight. That um, and When you were saying that, I'm thinking like, oh, so it's kind of like the difference – like offline, the person who goes to a, a meeting, a networking meeting of the people only in their industry, the, the, pros, the industry their prospects are in, right? So everybody in the room is a prospect, right? Or they go to, you know, here in Pittsburgh, they go to a Steelers game where there's lots and lots of people. Some of those prospects are probably in that group, but you're going to have a hard time interacting with any of them. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And I agree. Like but that. I think context matters when you're spending your time, if you're allocating your time, do you want to do online marketing? It is about the allocation of time, effort, and resources. And that's where you really need to experiment. You need to test things out. And then you need to focus by building a process. And so the process really matters, especially when it comes to LinkedIn, because you do want to log in every single day. One of the tactics we talked about on my show is that one of the benefits of LinkedIn is it shows who has viewed your profile. Well, if you're checking mm-hmm. every day and you see the people, the actual people, their names, the pictures, et cetera, of who have checked your profile, reach back out to them. I mean, think about it. If they viewed your profile today, you, something about you was top of mind. Reach back out to them and say, I noticed that you saw my profile today. How can I be of help and service to you? Now, maybe they want to sell you something or maybe they want to do business together. But by checking LinkedIn every day, by going in and just making it a part of your daily process, you can discover those type of opportunities for free by just seeing who has viewed your profile for the day. So that that that's awesome. So it would be like if if I hear you right. So if I went to a big meeting with a lot of people, and it'd be like being able to walk in a room and see which people in a room were already interested in me somehow. Yeah, are the ones that at least looked at you and like, hey, I'd like to know more about that guy, right? So yeah, yes, like exactly so, so you're not like walking up to people cold, right? You know, trying to start. You're talking to people who already have somehow reached out to you, even by you knew which ones were looking at you when you came in the room. Yeah, granted, there's going to be some that are recruiters, some that are going to want to sell you. I mean, you know, not everyone is a good netizen, if you will, um, when it comes to building relationships. But at the same token, you know, it's just like in normal life. Sometimes you meet bozos and sometimes you meet people that will be beneficial. And again, if you're not participating, if you're not taking the time, and that's the key, right? If you're not taking the time, it is time that you have to commit to. That is the tax that is the thing that will make you successful is understanding and managing time and being consistent in that time management. That's that's a very good, uh, a great piece of advice, I think, that the time thing and the investment of your time. Mm-hmm. Now, around LinkedIn, so you have LinkedIn itself, do you have a favorite tool you recommend for people or a favorite tool you like to use 
in conjunction with LinkedIn? You know, it they there used to be, and then LinkedIn got really uh, restrictive in third party developers interacting with it. Um, so at the end of the day, no, I don't really use a third party tool when it comes to LinkedIn. LinkedIn's been very sophisticated in how they put things together. I will say though, that for your audience, the one area that I do spend a lot of time in is in the Pulse network. So a couple of years ago, LinkedIn created this influencer program. You'll see a little badge next to most people's name if they've been dubbed an influencer. And they started having these influencers publish in the Pulse network. And they opened it up to the general public. So now anyone can publish into the Pulse network. Now, here's what I really think is interesting is, one, it has grown astronomical, hundreds of thousands of posts per week coming in from great, great information sources. And as well as syndication deals with a lot of business publications that are repurposing or putting it in there. But what I'm really finding is that there's a lot of industry inside, inside of Pulse. And what is interesting in some stats that I've seen is that even CXO level executives at companies that are fairly large will spend 17% of that audience will actually go in to LinkedIn to research what's happening in their industry. But the best part for the small business owner is you can publish into Pulse as well for free. So if you want to build some thought leadership, if you want to build your authority, if you want to build your exposure to people in not only inside of LinkedIn, but they're getting there via search engines, then the Pulse Network is actually a good place to be for both research and for writing. What you really described so far is that a person who wants to really get their uniqueness out there in the world – they can do it all on LinkedIn pretty much. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, I remember many years ago, Steve, well, if you want to do marketing online, you have to have a blog, right? I mean, that was, a, you know, you couldn't do it. And so, so many people try to set up a blog and then they, you know, put out a few things, nothing really happened. And, you know, dead blogs are, you know, scattered all over the internet. But what a site like Pulse has done is that you essentially get the benefit of a blog. And so, far as you can publish out content and you can throw it into that network as you have the time to do. Now, obviously, I personally believe having your own blog is much more beneficial because in the long run, it is a property that you own. But if you're just trying to get your feet wet, if you're just trying to experiment with, could I write out there in ways that are compelling and meaningful and I want to test it out? then yeah, use Pulse as kind of your mini blog, but be mindful that if it really does start to take off, you don't want to be a digital sharecropper on the LinkedIn Pulse network. You want to have your own repository, your own site for sharing that or storing that content. So Pulse is a good way to start out and certainly is something that's easier to do. But over time, if you're successful, you're going to want to put that stuff on your own site and control it. And so do people use – do they use both in conjunction with each other? Oh, absolutely. You had both things? Yeah, you'll see actually – and LinkedIn actually, the editors of LinkedIn recommend this. You can take blog posts that you've written in the past and put them into LinkedIn Pulse. In fact, they encourage that, and, and they love syndication. And conversely, you'll see people that will uh, take their uh, new stuff and put it out there to test it because they do get some very good analytics through the LinkedIn Pulse network on who and who's reading it, where they are, et cetera. And then from that, they can take that and then put it back on their 
website with some revisions and tweaking it out. So it's a good way to test ideas if you already have a blog site. Um, it's a good way to syndicate if you already have a blog site. Um, and it's a good way to determine if you even can keep up the writing habit that is required of a good blog site. So, yes, I think there is a symbiotic relationship between having your own blog and and publishing on Pulse, both for experimentation and for syndication. And cannot cannot stress enough that it is a very, very easy way to see if your work is resonating, your content is resonating with the audience. Because in Pulse, the analytics they give you will tell you who liked this post, who shared the post, who are the general demographics of where they're located, what their jobs are. The amount of demographic data you get for free is hugely valuable, hugely valuable. So that way you can say, wow, my pe- you know what? I only get 10 people who read this, but if those 10 people are the CEO of the top 10 companies in the world, you may be having a great conversation with a small group of very influential people. Yeah, that's a great point. I love that. Now, you've given us tons, tons, tons of ideas and, and, and really, I, you know, and, and suggestions today of what people can do and how they can take advantage of LinkedIn and other things. I'm going to ask you one more thing, though, about that. Can you just give us one tip that somebody could implement today if they don't do anything else before they go to bed today, if they just did this one tip? What would, be some, what would that be? Boy, that's good. Uh, that I've not shared already. Is that correct? You, I, you can pick one of those. That's, <laughs> um, I would, you really have. <laughs> I, I will say this. If you are going to do one thing right now is certainly go back and review your profile. I know it's – you know everybody talks about it, but you can't – I cannot reiterate the importance of having a solid profile. If you haven't updated in a while, go update the thing. That is the center point and the foundation. So go look at that picture. Is it the right picture? Can I see your face? Right? I don't need a headshot. I need to see your face. Is that description there? Is the summary there? Just make sure it's solid. And then you can ignore it for a while. Right? So if you haven't seen it or you haven't really spent time with it, go and fix that profile. That's the very first thing you should do right after you listen to this because anything, anything you want to do further is going to be predicated on having a solid profile. But once you have it, then you can go do some other fun things. That's great. I mean, And I just wrote it down on my list of things to do today to review my profile. So it's a that's a great Great tip. Now, and, you, and really, I do want to thank you. You've given us so much value today about about LinkedIn, understanding and how we can use it, things you can do with it. How does someone who wants to find out more about you, how do they reach out to you? Sure. What's the best way to connect? Well, there's a social network site called LinkedIn. (laughs) So let me give you a tip, and this applies to me. So uh, by the way, every podcaster that I've ever met tends to be a little bit of a narcissist, okay? Just saying. No offense, Steve, because God knows I'm a podcaster too. But almost anyone out there is going to be impressed if you send a connection request that is not the stock text that is inserted by LinkedIn. So what you're going to want to do is if you're at your desktop, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, but say that you heard me on Steve's show because I will not usually accept a connection request if somebody uses a stock answer. Now, if you're on a mobile device, which I guarantee you most of your audience listening to this is on a mobile device, if you have the LinkedIn app and you see a profile there with someone you want to connect to, there's a big giant button that says send a connection request. Don't click that. Do not click that. If you're on a mobile device and you're looking at someone's profile in the upper right 
left-hand corner, you're going to see three little dots. You click those dots, and it says personalized invite. So you may be really simple before you know on the LinkedIn app to just click the connection request button, but don't do it if you really, really want someone to connect with you, like me, <laughs> and click on those three little dots. But always personalize the connection request because otherwise I may think you're just somebody who's trying to sell me something. That's that's a great piece of advice right there. See, you're just you're just full of it, man. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I think my like listeners that I'm overflowing. <laughs> yeah, I think my wife and <laughs> listeners would agree that I'm full of it. But yeah, well, I wasn't going to stop it. <laughs> but yeah, we've been doing the show a long time. I mean, missinglink.fm is the location of it. We've been doing the show since uh, June of 2015. We do a weekly show. We have so many episodes out there, and really, it is my personal journey through the LinkedIn ecosystem. It's topics that I think are interesting, finding experts that know a heck of a lot more than I do and letting them share their stories, their tips, their tactics so that I can take credit for it on shows like yours. <laughs> That's so great. And, and you know, I listened to, to that, to your podcast. I could just, I can't recommend it enough for people to just find out some of the things that other people are doing and, and some of the features that you may not even be aware of that that you could take advantage of. And the nice of. thing is, is that a lot of the things, while it's specific to LinkedIn, actually apply to online marketing in general. Though we have a LinkedIn focus, you know, it's not like LinkedIn is so distinctly different from everything else, right? It is, you know, it's just taking the rules that apply to online marketing and focusing them on the LinkedIn ecosystem. But the rules are the same. And so if you listen to our, our show and you're not really sure about LinkedIn, then that's fine. If you say, oh, I want to do more on LinkedIn, that's great too. Or you may be looking at another channel online, and yet the rules that we talk about are also applicable to those other channels. They'll just have different nuances and implementation. Again, Sean, thank you so much for taking the time today to spend with, with everybody who's listening to this now and who'll listen to it in the future. And you know, it's just so great of you to, to take that time and share what you know and what you've learned over all the years. Well, Steve, thank you again for the chance to share my story with your audience and for the opportunity to get to meet and talk to you. Great. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. Have a question for Steve? Tweet him now at Harness the Web or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Harness the Web. Thanks so much for listening to Harness the Web with your host, Steve Peck. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit HarnessTheWeb.net. We'll see you next time.